0: hey, this is what we said we're going to do, and we're going to go do it. But in business, it doesn't quite work that way. So what we plan for, and we're doing our 2024 plans right now, is inevitably sometime during 2024, some business condition is going
1: to change that's going to require us to pivot. Hey there, dental economist. If you're a dentist owner or a leader within a dental business thinking about growing production, case acceptance, patient and staff satisfaction, positive outcomes, and everything else that comes with running a dental business, then you're a dental economist, and you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Dental Economist Show. We're meeting at the intersection of profit and purpose as I sit down with dental leaders who share their stories about dentistry, business, and growth. Hi, and welcome to The Dental Economist Show. I'm your host, Mike Huffaker. Joining me today is Will Alexander, the SVP of Enterprise Operations and CIO at Benevis. Benevis has a 20-year history of providing the highest quality care to approximately 5 million children and adults. His network reaches more than 100 locally branded dental offices across the U.S. that deliver treatment through 1.2 million visits each year. Will is a forward-thinking, results-oriented senior IT executive, with proven success in leading all areas of information technology and project management. Before Benevis, Will spent 15 years with Racetrack Petroleum, where he led a team of 115 people and implemented best-in-class business intelligence tools and enterprise data warehouse to streamline data flow and provide users with consistent, accurate data. Will, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's a pleasure to have you here. To get started, tell me a little bit more about your role at Benevis and what being a chief information officer for such a large dental business involves.
0: Yeah, sure. So I started in December of 2019 and I was hired to lead technology here and to really align it more with the business needs. And three months after I joined, COVID hit. One of the reasons, though, I joined Benevis was I wanted to... Yes, influence through technology, but be able to influence in other ways. Oftentimes, unfortunately, IT leaders are executing strategy, but not necessarily at the table creating strategy. And I wanted that opportunity. And with Benevice, I got it. Along the way, I've picked up some other responsibilities. I also run our call center and lead our facilities and purchasing groups, as well as I lead our orthodontics business line, which has been fun again in many, instances, probably all, IT is, is a cost center, and it's hard to measure the value that IT brings to an organization. And here with Orthodontics Business Line, I actually get to lead the P&L on that.
1: That's been exciting. So coming from 15 years in another industry at Racetrack Petroleum and then moving into dental, what, if anything, surprised you or was different than you expected it to be on the technology side as you moved into this industry? There's
0: a lot of similarities. Especially when you talk about leading technology for a company that has distributed locations, a whole lot of similarities there. But in, in retail, a few different things. The friction in which you do a transaction in retail is pretty frictionless. You show up at the brick and mortar store, you shop at your own leisure, check out, and you're done. Not so much in healthcare. There's a process that you have to go through just to be able to be seen. And then on on the back end, in a retail location, you're either getting paid with cash or a credit or debit card. And so the company, the business is collecting that money either in real time or within 24, 48 hours. And it's again, a fairly frictionless process. And when you're talking about insurance payers and collecting money that way, it's just a longer and just inherently has more friction in that process. But a lot of similarities though, When you talk about the patient experience, very similar to the customer experience, when you're communicating to them, you have to communicate them in the appropriate relevant way. Much like if i send in a retail establishment, if I send you an offer for something that is just not relevant to you, it it totally falls flat. If we're communicating with our patients in a way that's not relevant, again, it would totally fall flat. So a lot of similarities Certainly from an infrastructure perspective, when you talk about distributed locations, that's almost identical. And then when you talk about just at the enterprise or corporate level, a lot of efficiencies that technology can bring by automating repetitive processes.
1: That's great. I'd be curious from your perspective. We see many different models of dental service organizations, dental partnership organizations, how they are structured and framed. And you mentioned that Benefis uh, has a call center. And so you're offering centralized services to your affiliated practices. From your perspective, what role should a DSO provide in the support of their offices? and within that distributed ecosystem that you have with 100 plus practices. Sure, so I mean, hopefully not sound repetitive, but reduce the
0: friction. Make it easier for the doctors and the support staff to provide high quality patient care. There's a lot of necessary business processes that go on around that, either before the visit or after the visit, during the visit. These processes that have to be done but they don't add value to the customer. And similarly in healthcare are not adding value to the patient, but they must be done. So how do we, from a IT perspective, a call center perspective, a facilities purchasing perspective, how do we do those processes for them or at least make them very, very easy to do? Because they have to be done, but to the patient, they will only add
1: friction to them. Sure. So maybe let's dive into that just a little bit more because there's kind of two things here, right? There's the removing of friction for the patient and obviously consumer expectations on experience are very high because in most of our lives, it is so easy to purchase things to interact with businesses and otherwise. And it does seem that the dental industry is behind from that perspective in general. And then there's the removing of the friction for the doctors and the clinical teams within the office. Maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the initiatives that you've looked to implement to both remove friction on the patient side, And then also in office, all of those repetitive tasks and other things that the staff is just kind of bears the burden of needing to do based off of how the dental industry is structured.
0: From a patient perspective, anything that allows them to get in the chair faster. So if we talk about self-scheduling, online scheduling, being able to easily confirm an appointment or change or modify an appointment, that's the stuff that we want to focus on. Once you get to the office, get to the clinic, what does that check-in process look like? How do we get the relevant, needed, necessary information from you, but in a way that is efficient? Those are the things that we're working on. And then once you leave, how do we follow up with you? Whether you need just your typical hygiene recall appointment, or have you been treatment plan for some follow-up work that we need to get you on the schedule for? How do we make that easy for you? Because yes, other. Industries have shown us how easy it is to transact business with them, but I think more than ever, your typical individual has a lot of things going on And how do we just make it easier to interact with us. From a support staff and doctor perspective, very similar, how do we make it as easy as possible for that person sitting at the front desk to get information? What, can, what information can we go ahead and get through other means to where they don't even have to ask these questions or ask patients for this information, because we've already got it for them. How do we make it as easy as possible, the doctor to chart his or her notes? And a lot of things are repetitive. And so they're very predictable. And those are the things that we really want to go after. There are definitely decisions that are made in in any organization every day that are, are new decisions. There's a lot of decisions that are very repetitive decisions. And those are the ones that we think we can automate and streamline.
1: No, absolutely. There's been a lot of talk about AI lately, of course, and I think many people seem to be familiar of the AI application as it results to decision assistance in x-rays and imaging. However, that seems to really just be scratching the surface at what potential applications there could be for artificial intelligence within a dental organization, in particular, from my view, as it relates to a lot of these repetitive tasks that need to be completed Is there any technology right now, and maybe it is AI, that you're really excited about, either for its benefit in the practices themselves or even for your corporate organization, you know, as you're out there in the marketplace looking at new technologies?
0: So we're looking really closely at AI to help in our call center. And again, to a lot of the calls that we get, a lot of the calls that we make are very predictable, very repetitive. How do we streamline those? and really streamline them in a way that allows us to focus on the intricate calls that we get or the intricate calls that we need to make that really only a human can do. But so much of it might, if you just say, if this, then, then it gets you to the outcome that the patient needs or that we need and all that can be automated. And then you throw, throw some intelligence on top of it. That just expands the scope and that leaves the, again, the more complex, decisions that need to be made, which tend to be the more valuable decisions that need to be made.
1: Would you think in terms then of call routing and scheduling being automated, or is it components? I know that there's some tools now that allow for AI call coaching to help curate the patient experience and ensure that the conversations that are taking place are up to the standards of the organization. What elements within the call center are you looking at that you think that could solve for? So really all the above, but
0: a couple of very tactical things. Right now we use an after-hours service that you call in and go through a series of questions And then that individual, based on your answers, will be, yeah, you're in pain and and you really need some help right now. I'm going to call the doctor on call and get him or her to engage with you and take it from there. All that could be automated. And especially, again, if you throw some AI on top of it, then it not only can be automated, but it's a very frictionless experience for the patient. And you're getting them the outcome sooner. And listen, one thing that humans do is we're all unique and it's very hard for us to be consistent. And through this technology, you're getting a consistent experience. And now if that experience is not the one
1: that we want to deliver, we can tweak it, but it's going to be consistent. That's absolutely something that would make a huge difference. And you're right, it's very challenging to get that consistency.
0: I was just going to say, you, you mentioned the AI around x-ray images, and that's something that it's very intriguing. Again, it it gets more to the complex decision than necessarily the repetitive decision, which again, to me, you want the human involved in the complex decision. But one thing that we think it could help with is with our audits. We put a second set of eyeballs on a whole lot of our charts and could this potentially be that second set of eyeballs? They're not making necessarily the first decision, but they're validating that decision.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Have you also considered or are you implementing any new applications on the RCM side of things? I know that you guys do a lot of development in-house and you have been leveraging 835s and auto postings for quite some time. And there's a number of these different EDI codes that can be used for unresponsive claims to seek to get an additional response and things along those lines, which are oftentimes not automated in practices. How do you think of that? And has there been anything new that you think is is interesting or exciting on that front?
0: So there's definitely very similar technologies to what we are investigating on the call center side, very similar technologies on the interaction between RCM and the insurance providers. I think it's a little more difficult there because if you've seen how one insurance provider's technology stack is, you've seen one. And speaking of
1: consistency, there is not a lot in that area. Yes. What I am
0: starting to see is they're upgrading their infrastructure and are moving towards more standardized methods in which we can get information to and from them just by creating APIs and web services and that are things that we're trying to leverage. And as they mature their technology stacks, we
1: will certainly make sure that we're taking advantage of that. So the shifting gears just a little bit, related to staffing, you run a call center, you're in charge of that, and that's obviously an area that historically within organizations may have high turnover. There's oftentimes entry-level folks that first start working at a call center coming out of covid I know it was tremendously difficult for people everywhere to find employees that would work in those roles how has it been for benevis over the past year or so have you seen improvements there and did you have to make any modifications in your strategy for employee retention or being attractive to employees and, and what did that look like if you did
0: Great question. So the call center has its strategy, which in an extreme, is different than our, our doctor provider recruiting strategy. You've got to be, regardless though, yes, you've got to be in the market for compensation. And there was a time where getting information to understand our market competitive was difficult because it was fluctuating and changing so rapidly coming out of COVID. That I think is subsiding a bit you know, from an IT Perspective, you would hear and you'd read about it maybe on LinkedIn, developer doubling his or her salary like that. I mean trying to understand fact or fiction, and I think there was a lot of there was a lot of fact to it. But I think the wild fluctuations in compensation have largely subsided. And then it comes down to the environment and the culture that you provide. From a call center perspective, you come to our corporate office and train. For a couple of weeks, then you do some on-the-job training. We call it nesting. And then after a couple of weeks, you leave the nest and you go work from home and you're 100% work from home. So understanding that that's something, again, coming out of COVID, work from home is is here to stay and we offer that. But being able to
1: explain that and market that, you got to be able to do that. That's actually really interesting. So prior to COVID, was the call center all local, in-house, everyone worked together? And so you have made adjustments in order to have a distributed team for your call center. What type of tools do you have in place to ensure productivity? And is there anything unique that needs to be considered when you have a, a distributed team that is doing call center work to ensure that you are maximizing the productivity.
0: Yeah, I think my, probably the calls of all the departments that might be distributed and work from home, the call center kind of lends itself to being one of the easier ones to do that because of the metrics and just the transactional nature of a call center where you can track productivity pretty easily in detail, as opposed to IT. It's hard to track the productiveness of any individual in an IT environment. It's just harder compared to a phone representative. No, that does make sense. It comes down to the engagement though, of the manager and the leader, regardless of what department. In general, our support services group, or departments are all distributed work from home. A lot of making sure that we're continuing to support the organization, add value to it, depends a lot on the leader and making sure that they're engaged and have a good pulse on
1: their team. Speaking of leadership within your support services, do you have a culture of promoting from within? Do you typically look outside when you have open roles that need to be filled? How do you think about that? So
0: in general, yes, I'll promote from within. And as a, a leader, that's oftentimes the easiest way to keep things moving in the right direction. But. Conversely, I'm the type of leader, I I want people with a lot of diverse thought. I have one kind of work philosophy or or work habits and having a bunch of the similar work philosophies is probably not not best. You want people that come with different trains of thought, can push and pull and get to the right decision to create the best outcome for
1: the organization. Can you elaborate a little bit on what And your work philosophy is where where you like to have some counterbalance with others that have some different views? I love the planned out day, the repetition,
0: the list of to-dos that I can check off. Hey, this is what we said we're going to do and we're going to go do it. But in business, it doesn't quite work that way. So what we plan for and we're doing our our 2024 plans right now is inevitably sometime during 2024, some business condition is going to change. That's going to require us to pivot. And so I need that person who will say, all right, well, I know this was our plan. Here is our 20-step checklist that we're going to do, but things have changed. We need to
1: pivot and do something else. I need that person. Somebody that might have a little bit more natural flexibility or they're more willing to pivot in a moment's notice. Yeah. I will put the blinders on and, and away I go. That makes sense. I mean, it's it's great self-awareness to recognize where there are opportunities to bring other people in on your team to augment and accentuate the skills that, that you have. And I love that. I think so many people and looking for people that are exactly like them. And then that creates those blind spots and it creates weaknesses that you wouldn't have otherwise. So that's great. I'm, I'm curious, and there may be something to this question. There may not be, but I'm going to give it a shot anyways. Is there a belief that you have in business or otherwise or that you used to have that you no longer hold? Like, is there an example of something that you can think of that you used to really kind of hold tight that now you've recognized that that is not the case and you've moved off of that? I'd like to think that I
0: am more flexible, but maybe a better answer to the question is as an IT leader, when I was younger in career, I was very black or white. Here is the security best practice, and we're going to implement it hundred percent, and maybe that works for 98% of the scenarios. That's okay. So being able to understand what the business outcome is. And putting myself in the end user shoes. And now that I actually we are with the Boundary Business Line and, and have a, a P&L, I'm, I'm actually in those shoes and then being able to see, all right, how can technology really help the end users and not just get so set in my ways of, hey, here's the best practice, here's the
1: policy, and it's black and white. That makes a lot of sense. It seems that technology decisions can sometimes be made in a silo without an understanding of what the impact on the business will be simply because it's the right way to do it or it's the way that it's always been done without that flexibility of, but hey, this is what it's now going to look like for others as a result of that. So that's really interesting. So another just kind of quick question, if you could snap your fingers and change one thing about your business or the industry in general, is there anything that is, seems almost insurmountable or you know that it is going to take a tremendous amount of work? And if you could just get to the end of that road now, what would it be? I joined Benevis right before
0: COVID, but the impact that shutting everything down, the starting everything had, a lot of things just fell by the wayside. And there was a lot of Turbulence and things just got changed and not necessarily for the better because things just got lost and forgotten. Although I was not here for very long before COVID, but if I could snap my fingers in the same kind of business conditions of maybe 2017, 2018, beginning of 2019, that would be good.
1: Let me ask, where do you go to learn? How as a technology executive, obviously it's incumbent to stay sharp and stay relevant. Where do you go? What do you like to read, listen to, or otherwise? I'll tell you this, and it's a data
0: point of one. My professional career, especially from an IT standpoint, has only ever been in Metro Atlanta. But albeit data point of one, I think that Atlanta has the best community for IT leaders. There are a handful of organizations that I'm a part of, and it's not that they're necessarily exclusive or anything like that where people are willing and wanting to share best practices, commiserate, if you need somebody to commiserate with you, and genuinely, I think, want to see you do well. And I'm very fortunate to be
1: here in Metro Atlanta and be able to take advantage of some of those organizations. That's great. One of our revenue principles that we hold our team to here is that success is not a zero-sum game and that your success doesn't prevent somebody else from also being equally successful. And so it's great to hear that there's a community like that 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 you're able to plug into.
0: There are numerous CIOs in town who have very graciously helped me when I needed help. I'd like to think that I've been
1: able to help a few others as well. that's great. We're coming up on the end of the time. I'll have one last question for you. As we look into 2024, You know, we're recording this here in in the last month of the year. What are some things that excite you? And what is maybe something that you are concerned about? Maybe I'll start with the concern. And whether it's 2024
0: or five or six or whatever, always want to make sure that I have a strong team and making sure that they're in a good place. That'll be a focus of 2024, but really a focus in any year. Only as strong as the team that you're playing with. And one of the things that I'm excited about, we have, same thing, people coming out of COVID hiring talent, whether it be doctors, clinical support staff, or even corporate employees was a challenge. talked about that earlier. And I think maybe for various reasons, we've somewhat cracked nut nut. It'll always be a challenge, but I'd like to think that we've crested the hill, if you will. And really taking that team and seeing what we can do, where we have adequate capacity in our clinics now, we have great team members in our support departments, being able to take and go create that
1: value. Now that we've built these great teams, that's what excites me. That's great. So you guys put a lot of work into building those teams over the last year or so through, through all the challenges that everybody's had. and, And now it's like, you can kind of take the training wheels off and really run and go. You've built the base that that's needed to deliver that value and provide that to your patients and your organization. That's great. And I agree with you a hundred percent about the people piece of things. I mean, every business is about the people and we're in a space where our clients are of the utmost important to us. But I would say from a priority perspective, we put our people first and Because if you don't have the people piece sorted, the clients will never be taken care of properly. So I think that that's a great way to think about it and shows true leadership. Because if you're not always concerned about your people, then you're missing something there. So that's great. Well, I really appreciated you taking the time today. Always enjoy talking to you. We'll have to do this again sometime, but I I really appreciate your willingness to take the time here. This was great, Mike. Very good to catch up. Thank you so much. Take care. The Dental Economist Show is brought to you by Planet DDS. To find out more about how cloud-based dental software by Planet DDS helps unleash dentists and their staff to focus on patient care, visit www.planetdds.com. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes by following wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.